Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Another auto worker strike, but this one... Not in the United States. Tesla workers walk out in Sweden. Today on the show, it's the electrical workers, IBEW District 3, and the steam fitters, local 449 in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Thursday, November 2nd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Ed Hill, Jr. Ed is the business development district rep for the IBEW's third district, which encompasses the states of New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, all pretty much union-friendly states. You may remember that name, Ed's dad was president of the IBEW from 2001 to 2015. He passed away five years ago in 2018. So we'll talk about a couple of things that are really happening, big things happening with the IBEW, their green initiative, what they're doing in the third district to prepare for all the new forms of green energy. And they're starting with their work on EV and battery storage. That's a biggie. Also, Work on solar training and organizing, going into the members to uh, prepare for a just transition and to ensure that the IBEW will be at the forefront of the work on solar power. Also, offshore wind work as the region, especially right off of uh, New York and New Jersey, that is exploding with offshore wind. And, uh, some of the projects are going way, way into the future. We're talking 10, maybe 20 years out. So you know what that means? That means a lot of jobs. So they're organizing right now, and uh, they're going to pick up the steam on that next year. Green energy isn't going to produce itself. Ed says we need more trained IBEW brothers and sisters ready to do the jobs, and we are planning to ramp up our organizing. And you just may recall, it was about uh, two weeks ago when the Biden-Harris administration announced nearly $3.5 billion in funds for the largest investment in America's electrical infrastructure ever. This money will go to 58 projects in 44 states. And the bottom line is, we need to beef up our electrical grid because of the demand for electricity. Good things happening. Good things happening, and the IBEW is in the middle of it all. Ken Broadbent will be joining us later in the show. He serves as business manager of Steamfitters Local 449. They're based in Harmony, Pennsylvania. UA449.com is their website. They're affiliated with the United Association. And uh, he's going to talk about their upcoming 110th anniversary of the local and recently harmony pennsylvania renamed the street where their state-of-the-art technology center calls home 
as Steam Fitters Lane. What a cool story. We'll uh, recap the work from the local during this year and take a look at uh, what happens or what may happen, the plans for 2024. A little background on Ken. He, uh, as I indicated, is a business manager, proud member of his uh, local for more than 31 years. Began with his five-year apprenticeship in the local's training program. In addition, he graduated from the UA Instructor Training Program and holds an American Welding Society qualification as a certified welding inspector. He also contributed to the apprenticeship program that provided him with his education by serving as a welding instructor from 1981 to 1989. Members of the local then elected Ken to the position of president. That was in 92, business agent in 96, business manager in 99. And he's been serving in that position ever since. So, so what do steam fitters do? A whole lot. Process piping, refrigeration, air conditioning, medical gas, boilers, pipe fabrication, hydraulics, controls, all welding processes. HVAC services, energy management, rigging, drafting, CAD drawings, industrial instrumentation. What I just read to you, (laughs) that's a lot of very, very detailed work, and that's why they have such a good apprenticeship program. And we'll touch on that as well with Ken. Ken Broadbent, business manager of UA Local 449. Now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. This is a real interesting story out of Sweden today. A strike has erupted at Tesla. The notoriously anti-union car manufacturer. Perhaps not surprisingly, the strike takes place in Sweden one of the most unionized countries in the world. According to the Industrial Union Confederation, Industry All, it is the first formal labor conflict called against Tesla anywhere in the world. Strike was called by the labor union IF Metal. The union's decision follows five years of refusal by Tesla's Swedish subsidiary, TM Sweden, to negotiate a collective agreement for its employees in repair shops across the country. Now, the first strike notice was limited to union members among Tesla's own employees, about 120 mechanics and service techs. Now, there are no Tesla factories in Sweden. However, after a meeting between TM Sweden and the union, which happened on Tuesday, the company's representatives withdrew from further negotiations, citing corporate policy not to sign collective agreements in any country. Well, in response to this, IF Metal immediately expanded its strike notice to all repair shops that service Tesla vehicles in Sweden, not only Tesla's own shops. An additional 470 workers in 16 cities will be affected in the next phase, starting tomorrow. From that date, no union members in the targeted shops will be allowed to do any work on Tesla vehicles, and that includes service, repairs, or prepping new cars for shipping to the thousands of customers who are waiting for their brand-new Teslas, which, by the way, is Sweden's top-selling car. 
More can be in store for Elon Musk's company unless, unless it heeds union demands. When employers refuse to engage in collective bargaining, Swedish unions can resort to strikes and other forms of industrial action. Some of the options available to unions are bans on new hires or overtime work or even solidarity strikes by other unions. And there's some precedent on this. Back in 1995, when Toys R Us entered the Swedish market and initially refused to sign a collective agreement with the retail union there, the company eventually conceded after three months of labor unrest, including a number of solidarity strikes when other unions blocked all of their deliveries, garbage collection, postal service, bank payments, and other vital parts of the firm's operations. The conflict was even supported by unions in many other countries who encouraged their members to boycott products from Toys R Us. Although the IF metal strike is yet concerns relatively few workers, some are seeing it as a necessary measure to safeguard the country's labor market model. One of the model's institutional pillars is for employers to sign collective bargaining agreements, usually at the sectoral level, which covers 90% of all employees. Now, just to explain what sectoral is, that's like if you come up with an agreement, I'll use McDonald's as an example in this country. If you come up with a collective bargaining agreement at a McDonald's, that means all fast food chains, Wendy's, Burger King, you name it, Taco Bell, all of them have to, f- have to follow that agreement. And that's what they do. That's very popular in Europe. Another uh, characteristic of the Swedish model is the fact that workers are not the only organized party. Get this. Employers are also organized in employer associations bound by collective agreements, which means that Tesla could also offer their employees the sectoral collective agreement by joining the Swedish Confederation of Transport Enterprises. This confederation has informed Tesla of this option, but so far they haven't responded. In other words, the pressure on Tesla to adapt to the Swedish model does not only come from unions, but from the employer side as well. Swedish labor unions are not the only ones pressuring Tesla. Just a few days ago, Bloomberg News cited the newly elected president of the powerful German industrial union IG Metal, Christian Benner, who made a sharp statement directed at Tesla. You need to be careful. The rules of the game are different here, she said, in reference to the company's attempts to obstruct union organizing at one of its factories near Berlin. That factory has about... 12,000 employees. Now, mind you, Tesla already controls approximately 60% of the market for electric vehicles. This is according to uh, CNN. At the moment, the outcome of the IF metal strike is 
not very clear. It's uncertain. But what is clear is that the union-busting methods that Tesla has employed here in the United States ain't happening in Sweden. No, no, no. If the union would not have taken the risk to challenge Tesla unless it was highly motivated and had carefully considered its options, the general secretary of the parent union, that's Industrial All, which represents 50 million workers in 140 countries. That general secretary said, Elon Musk's business model is to avoid respecting human rights. That's a fact. Now, he is taken on by one of our strongest unions. We must defeat the Tesla business model. And guess what? Sweden is the best place to do that. This is one heck of a story. Elon Musk, he got himself in a good one. We'll keep you posted. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, District 3 of the IBEW. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, O-H dot aft dot org 
Let's go to line number one. Welcome a newcomer to the show. And uh, he is with a giant union, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, better known as the IBEW, which represents approximately, and this number is growing, 820,000 members and retirees who work in a wide variety of fields. We're including construction, utilities, manufacturing, telecom, broadcasting, railroads, and government. Giant Union. Ed Hill Jr. is a business development district rep for District 3, and that includes the states of New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And right now, he's talking to us just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ed Hill Jr., welcome to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, brother? Oh, doing excellent, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Talk to me a little bit about your background. I know your dad was president from uh, 2001 to 2015. Sadly, he passed away about five years ago. And I understand you joined the IBW, what was it, around 2009? Can you yes. uh, give us a little a little insight on that? Yes, that's correct. Um, I started out my professional working career in the aviation industry and spent about 15 years on airplanes. And then I joined a um, sales consulting business uh, where we taught sales organizations how to sell and put sales management practices in their management organization. So they worked um, more cohesively uh, in the corporation. Uh, we did that throughout the, actually, you know, 11 different countries uh, across the world. We did business pretty well. And uh, up in 2009, they were growing the education department in the IBW. And because I was doing training uh, all that time, I, I joined uh, that organization and spent about four years in the training department in the IBW. And then uh, they started the business development department. And uh, I joined that uh, one of three of us uh, back in 2012. So when it comes to business development, uh, talk to me about that. And you, you're in some very union-friendly states there, that third district. And there's a lot going on with wind and solar. Can you be mm -hmm. specific on, on how your role fits into to what's happening in those uh, in those respective areas? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our, our goal here in the department is labor hours, right? And we focus on construction, though we'll touch all of the other branches in the IBW. Um, but it's really about gaining work for the construction members. And then to do that, we build relationships with owners and general contractors and really try to get the right folks at the table uh, when projects are in the planning stages. We bring, we bring a lot of value, as, as a lot of trade unions do uh, when we advocate for projects, and that could take a lot of forms. But we, we help organize that advocation, and uh, then we want to try to make sure we've got the right people ready to go to work when the project starts. So one of the things I know you want to talk about is this green initiative that you're doing in the third district. Can you give us some details on that? We're hearing a lot about this. I mean, we're in a transition right now into green energy. Can you be specific on, on what's happening here? Oh, there's so much. It'd probably take about two hours just to cover the topics. Um, okay. It is just, you know, from an electrical union standpoint, this is just an incredible time. And I think that it's, you know, we'll, we'll be doing more work here in the next 20 to 25 years because of all these targets in the 2050 range that many of the states have across the U.S. 
and the, and the federal government as well, um, to help this country move towards an electric infrastructure more so than it is today. And that means a lot of things. That means a lot of transmission. That means electric vehicles. Um, that means renewable energy, power generation. Uh, it means carbon capture. It means hydrogen. It means a lot, a lot of work for, for the IBW in particular and, and on all the trades, really. Is there a number on, on jobs? Do we have any projections on what can be created here in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Or is, it, is that kind of a moving target right now? Well, it's hard to pinpoint because of the time frame. You know, we could look at a particular project and say, hey, that's going to create all 800 construction jobs. And, you know, a chunk of that would be IBW. But when you add on uh, the time frame, that broadens that um, number out a bit. And then you get a lot of different projects. So, you know, there are numbers out there that say, hey, in transmission over the next 10 years, we'll need to have X number of jobs. But... From our perspective, we need you know we need to correlate that to the membership and how many members we need. So it's a difficult process to go through. Um, we're working on that for offshore wind in particular because that's um, you know we some prefer to, to say it's a new industry. Um, we've been working in the wind industry for many many years, so it's kind of new. It's kind of different different locations really is what it is. But um, it's that's that's a challenge and it's something we work on consistently. But we know we need more. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, let's yeah, de- definitely. You know, there's no question there. Uh, you know, it's funny too because uh, we do the show, we record the show over at Ironworkers Local 17 in Cleveland, Ohio, and right next door is IBEW Local 38. Uh, their business manager is Dan Gallagher, and I, I run into Dan quite often, and he says, you know, there's a, the trades need all all kind of folks, but everybody wants to be. <laughs> electrical everybody wants to be in the ibw because because of what you just said you know the future is bright no no pun intended here but there's 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 a lot of jobs we're talking about here i didn't even get to the infrastructure part here with the uh, with the with the power grid i was talking about this 3.5 billion dollars in funds to improve Mm -hmm. our our electrical grid, which is long overdue. We all know that. I mean, this, this grid needs some work. And um, I I was reading this uh, statement from your uh, president, Kenny Cooper, that uh, three out of four projects already committed to using IBEW members in their construction and many more in the planning process. So Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. got, you got solar, you got wind, you got the power grid. Man, you got a lot going on. <laughs> a lot oh, going yeah. on. It's an incredible time. We're really excited. Uh, there's opportunity. Oh, my goodness. Um, if anybody wanted to get into the electrical industry, um, there's a, there's going to be steady work for, for 30 years without question. It's a career's worth for new people coming in. Yeah. And if you don't mind, let's zero in on solar and wind because that's kind of where District 3 is right now. And I I know New York has been very proactive. Their legislature has been very proactive in making sure that all of this happens. Can you speak to that? Because, you you know, you were mentioning earlier about being in business development. So I'm, I would mm-hmm. imagine you've been working with them very closely. New Jersey I want to throw in there as well. Can you uh, give us some some insight on that? Yeah, both of the states have uh, targets that they've set, and they, they want to reach these goals for, you know, carbon-free electricity. Um, and they're pretty stiff, you know. This is going to take a lot of work to get done, and 
mentioned about transmission. Um, you know, all of these things have to work together to make sure all the all the citizens in the state have the power that they need. And we all know how important that is. Um, so in solar in particular, uh, up in New York, um, we just did a little bit of research here, and they've got 23 gigawatts, and that's with a G, of solar planned in the state. Uh, it's a bit challenging because not all of those projects will, will go to construction. Um, but in some, you know, if you consider solar in particular, there's, you know, a, a a performance factor that they talk about. So the nameplate capacity is one number, and then the actual output of the energy is another. Um, so, you know, 23 gigawatts, not all of that will get built, but some number in a very, very high gigawatt range is going to get constructed. Um, and that's a lot of labor putting solar in place. So um, we've got many members in the state that are working on that now, and we anticipate that's going to grow here in the next 10 years uh, pretty significantly. Uh, same thing for New Jersey. They've been putting solar in for many years there. We do a lot of work on those projects, and you know, they have done a lot of two and three and five and megawatt projects in, in New Jersey. They're, they're starting to grow as well. Now we're getting the 10 and 20 and 50 megawatt projects, which requires a lot of, uh, a lot of people to, uh, to work on those, on those four, six, eight, ten months, potentially two years, depending on the size of them. Now, Ed, I, I know you're speaking on behalf of the 3rd District. I'm just wondering, um, what about south of that area? You know, Virginia, North mm -hmm. and South Carolina, Georgia and Florida. You know, there, there's opportunities for wind development there. What are you hearing from uh, from the IBEW in that part of the uh, country? Well, you know, onshore wind has been around for a long time. And, you know, some of the southern Virginia in particular, Maryland, um, I know my partner, John Rosenberger, has been um, down in those areas for a number of years. They've put a few wind projects in. The interesting thing is a lot of those projects these days now are going to be um, repowered uh, because the efficiencies in the turbines and blade technology has come about in the last 20 years. Um, so there's work there to be done, and there's new projects going in all the time along those ranges. Certainly in solar, Virginia, Maryland, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, as you say, all the way down into Florida. Um, they've been putting solar in place for, for a fairly long time, and we're really looking forward to doing a lot of that work these days, especially with the IRA in place, uh, which requires a prevailing wage and, and uh, a registered apprenticeship for you know, mm -hmm. the incentives that they have out there. It's going to drive a lot of business. The way I look at it, as long as they're union, you know, I mean, because some of those states, right. they're not, which, especially South Carolina, they're not very union friendly, but, uh, Correct. Yeah. but you need, you need the skilled technicians and that's where the IBEW comes to play. All right. Ed Hill cool. Jr. Joining us on our live line today. He's a business development district rep and the district is the third district, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. We'll continue with him. We'll talk about organizing later in the show. We're going to check in with the United Association Steamfitters. This is local 449 in Harmony, Pennsylvania. And they're celebrating their 110th anniversary. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. 
The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at CWA-Union.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go back to our live line rejoin Ed Hill, Jr., Ed's with the IBEW 3rd District, serves as Business Development District Rep. 3rd District, again, encompasses New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. That's a that's a chunk of territory there. All right, we're talking about the, the jobs of the future here. Right now, there's a lot of organizing going on because, well, for various reasons, we're, uh, we're upgrading our power grid. We've got the money coming in from the Energy Department, $3.5 billion. This is all part of the uh, buy partisan infrastructure law, which was signed into law almost two years ago by the uh, Biden administration, 58 projects, 44 states, badly needed. And then there's uh, wind and solar. Uh, I would assume that the apprenticeship programs are uh, are on fire right now. You, you've got to be pretty loaded up right now, Ed. Have you, have you been paying attention to that? I would assume you would be, right? Well, yeah, that's an important part of the of the business. We need to have the, the members available to do the work that is is in planning right now, and and will be going on for the next twenty five years, uh, and and beyond, of course. Um, but yes, our our apprenticeships um, across the, my four states, but but really across the country, 
are increasing uh, the recruits that they bring into the into the program and have been for a couple of years now. Well, right now, this has been a great year for unions, as you well know. I mean, the UAW just signed off on a tentative agreement. They got some pretty good pay raises. The Teamsters, we had the healthcare workers out west. I think it was close to 80,000 of them. They went on strike. They got pretty much what they were what they were asking for. Uh, organizing. I mean, we got a labor-friendly administration. Can you speak to organizing here with the IBEW? I know you've got a, quite a team in place, but... Uh, with all the work that's projected here, this has to be uh, something that we have to focus on and make sure we get uh, we get the union in there. What what uh, what's what's the update on that right now? Yeah, well, we we have a, a really impressive um, you know membership development as we call it here in the IBW department. We have folks in every state, state organizing coordinators and district organizing coordinators. Uh, membership development representatives in each of the local unions uh, across the U.S. We understand that, you know, this work, it, it's really important for the country, right? You know, we, we like to think about it, hey, we, we want more members. We, we love, love to grow the organization. You know, selfishly, that's, a, that's an important aspect of it. But the country needs this infrastructure in place. It needs to reduce the carbon output. And, you know, that's going to take a lot of skilled craftspeople. And there's opportunity for good-paying, family-sustaining jobs with, with a, you know, a nice return on the end side, right? Um, their retirees are still inputting into the economic development of our communities. So, you know, selflessly, yeah, the IBW wants to grow. Um, from, a, from a standpoint of a citizen, it's important that we do this. And, and we're geared up for it. Um, our international president, Kenny Cooper, has uh, developed a new um, membership development plan, and we're rolling that out across the U.S. We got all the people in place we need, and there's opportunity galore for people that want to get into the electrical industry, specifically with the IBEW. Uh, so it's all the arrows are pointing in the up direction right now. So for 2024, which is right around the corner, it sounds like that's priority number one right now. Is that what I'm hearing in this conversation? Yeah, well, you know, membership development, but of course, I want to say business development is most important. But I, no, I'm just kidding. About that. But yeah, we, we, <laughs> good yeah, answer. It, it, all, all hands on deck here. Um, you know, the, all of these. Well, you mentioned the infrastructure law, uh, in, in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, um, and then all of the developments that, are, that all corporations are going through uh, to reduce their carbon input um, output. Excuse me. Uh, the, the, all of these things are coming together, and, and there's just opportunities for people to, to really have a good career, a solid, long career, and then you know, a good retirement at the end. So, yeah, 24, 25, 27, 8, on down the road, um, it's all good this stage. All right, Ed, I got one more question here, and I know we talked a lot about organizing. It's so important, but uh, what I want to talk about here is uh, green energy, as you referenced in the first segment. You mentioned in your uh, talking points today that green energy isn't going to produce itself. We need more trained IBEW brothers and sisters ready to do the jobs. And it's important that, uh, well, we get the apprenticeship programs ramped up and uh, obviously more organizing going on. Um, what's the uh, What's the reaction in the business community on that right now? I mean, is it pretty, are they accepting 
this mission right now, in your opinion, or what? I think uh, the majority of folks are. And, you know, when we talk to them about, you know, really what we offer in terms of value in helping them permit in the business development uh, department, helping them permit the projects and advocate for projects and the economic impact of communities that good jobs provide, um, they're, they're understanding that the resources that we can we can bring to the table are really exceptionally valuable uh, to them and their projects. So um, this, again, provides opportunity for more um, IBW members and, and good jobs going forward. It's really important for, for communities um, more broadly. It, it sounds like they respect the training that's put in to the apprenticeship programs, which is very, very important because there's a lot of non-union folks out there, non-union outfits out there. But I'll tell you, the skills that are developed in those training programs is uh, top of the line. There's no, no question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, people don't know what it takes uh, to provide a uh, skilled craftsperson, a skilled electrical worker uh, into the industry. And you know, we're really proud of this tradition that we have of, of providing highly skilled, qualified electrical workers. And you know, we've been doing this for 81, 82 years now, uh, wholesale across the U.S. And, of course, before that, um, we did, but in a little less uh, uh, organized fashion. Uh, but, you know, people talk about apprenticeships. You know, the, the word is bantered around pretty good, but uh, we kind of have that locked down. We kind of know how to do that. I'm really proud go. of it. Ed Hill, Jr., Business Development District Rep for IBEW's 3rd District. Again, that's New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, as well as Delaware. Okay, one more request, brother. Mm-hmm. When can we get Kenny Cooper on the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be a great person to have. He's, oh, man, I, it's, we're so excited to have him on board as our international president. He's, he's a great man, and you know what I love about Kenny so much is he's really interested in families and and what uh, organized labor uh, does for them. So I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll put in a good word for you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, he's got those Midwest roots. He's an Ohio guy. I know he worked a lot in uh, Mansfield, Ohio, and I'm very proud of the fact that he made it all the way up to the uh, president's spot. So good stuff mm-hmm. there. You tell him I said hello and we'll work something out. Does that sound okay? Is, is that, that going to work for good. us? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> IBEW.org is the national website. Ed Hill, Jr., you take care. Thanks for joining us, all right? Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. You got it. Ken Broadband is with the Steam Fitters. He's coming up next right here on America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. 
We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.com. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, if you like a show, I keep saying this, please share that show because we have exploded this year because of what you've been doing. We are now America's workforce. We are now in the top 1% of all podcasts in America. And uh, when I started the show at the beginning of the year, I've been doing the show for 25 years. We were between 15 and 20%, so we want to keep the momentum going. AWFpodcast.com. We're having some difficulty trying to link up with our next guest that was slated to be on the show today. That was Ken Broadbent, who's with the uh, Steamfitters. They're part of the United Association Local 449. But lo and behold, we have a surprise guest joining us from Washington, and that would be Senator Sherrod Brown. Let's go to our live line right now and welcome Senator Sherrod Brown to America's workforce. Senator, it's not too often that both sides work together for the common good. And Senator, I understand that the, the Senate passed a bipartisan funding package yesterday that invests in essential priorities. And we're talking about funding the government, which some people, I guess they don't want to do. But tell me what happened yesterday in the Senate. Go ahead. Yeah, my job is to get things done, and oftentimes that's reaching across the aisle on infrastructure, on uh, looking out for Ohio's needs, whether it's Wright-Patterson Air Force Base or whether it's Lake Erie and and um, and uh, NASA Glenn and all the things to make people's lives better. And we did that yesterday, uh, bipartisan appropriations bill. It's really a matter of course what we should be doing every every day, every week, every month. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, as you know, Flash, it's why people don't like Washington. The games they're playing in the House of Representatives about threatening to shut the government down and all those kinds of things just don't serve us. So uh, we're looking out and um, at the same time, we're, we were looking out for uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian Americans in, in greater Cleveland. Uh, with uh, uh, the Ukrainian Museum in Cleveland, some smaller things like that that really mean something to a lot of people. 
In this money, we're talking about military installations, agriculture, veterans benefits. My, my question here, does this, have, does this have to go to the House then? Because that's the part that scares me. Yeah, it will. And on some of these, um, I mean, I'm always hopeful, as you know, of doing this for a couple of decades with you, Flash. I'm always hopeful. Uh, we we don't know what they're going to do. They've played games so far in, um, the, the, um, in our international affairs on what we do as a leading nation of the world. They've played games on keeping on shut, threatening to shut the government down. Uh, don't know yet, but we had a strong, strong 85, I believe, votes out of 100 in the Senate. Uh, we do our jobs bipartisanly in the Senate. Uh, we hope that public pressure builds on, on House Republicans to, to work across the aisle to work with us. All right, let's switch over to the Intel project in central Ohio. And I understand there's some, uh, well, there might be some delays. I don't know the situation on that. In fact, uh, tomorrow we're going to talk to uh, the central Ohio building trades on that to find out more. But I understand that you led a group of uh, lawmakers, 118 of them, in urging the Senate and the House Armed Services Committee to preserve the language in the Building Chips in America Act. I, I need a little explanation on this one, Senator. What's what's the story here? Yeah, it's it's looking ahead and making sure, you know, I'm working with the trades on this, working with the business community in Central Ohio, knowing that the Intel project will have a reach way beyond Central Ohio. It will matter in Greater Cleveland. It will matter in Youngstown and Akron and Toledo and Dayton and Cincinnati. But we want to, ahead of time, prevent any kinds of delays. And uh, so we're looking already to cut red tape. We're making sure this project isn't delayed because every day of delay costs jobs. This is a huge jobs project, the biggest private sector jobs project in Ohio history. Uh, we got a project labor agreement unprecedented that I insisted on before supporting this so that the 7,000 trades jobs um, building this this operation over the next 10 years will be union. Um, and that has a ripple effect all over the state. So um, we know what we need to do here. Um, we're doing it ahead of time to make sure there aren't delays. Speaking of union, Senator, you know, this has been a, a heck of a year for organizing for new contracts. I mean, look what the Teamsters did with UPS. And now we have a pretty good deal from what I'm seeing with the UAW at the big three. Uh, and I know you're all about unions. Uh, how, how do you feel about this going forward? It's got to make you pretty happy. Uh, yeah, I feel great. I mean, I, I in, on the show over the years, we've, you know, we've often bemoaned the problems that uh, that organized labor faces, the anti-union fervor from corporate America far too often. And this was a case where unions won big. This is the, well, isn't the beginning. The Teamster, the Teamster win helped set the table for this. I was in touch yesterday with, uh, with Sean Fain, the head of the UAW. Uh, as I've said on this show, my our, our uh, rescue dog is named Walter after Walter Ruther, and I told Fane and Jess maybe we ought to change our dog's name to Sean, and he said a little early for that and kind of laughed. Um, it's clear to me that this is the beginning. We're going to see more organizing drives. There is more support for organized labor in the, pop the general population now than I've seen in my lifetime. Um, this is all good news. It's good news for the workers uh, in in. in Brook Park, it's good news for the workers, um, and not just who carry UAW cards, but other workers. It means wages are finally going to start going up. It means that um, corporate CEOs are going to start sharing more in their wealth. As we said on the show, the, the CEO of Chrysler of Stellantis makes 
365 times what the average worker at Chrysler makes. Uh, we've got to close that gap. Not, I, I'm not interested in bringing CEO, CEO pay down. I just want to make sure they pay their taxes. But I want to bring workers' wages up, and that's what this is about. You got it. Senator, thank you so much for what you do. I'm going to let you get back to work and, and stay in touch with us, okay? All right, for sure. Thanks very much, Flash. See ya. Once again, Senator Sherrod Brown joining us here on America's Workforce. You know, earlier in the show, we were talking with the electrical workers, Ed Hill Jr. of District 3 of the IBEW. And there was something that we uh, didn't get into in the first part of the show, and that is the fact of labor working together. This is pretty significant. In the past week, the presidents of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Labor's International, LIUNA, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, they signed a national, what they call Tri-Trade Solar Agreement, governing the construction of utility-scale solar projects, making it easier for developers, for contractors, and unions to bring critical renewable energy generation online to power our communities. Comment here from Ken Cooper, international president of the IBEW. He said the members of our three unions have been key to the growth of utility-scale solar power for years now, and this agreement solidifies our role as leaders in the industry. It will streamline the process of bringing large-scale solar projects onto the grid while ensuring that they are done on time and under budget, keyword under budget, by experienced, skilled trade workers. The agreement, which will cover all of the United States except for California, delineates each union's responsibilities on solar projects, making it easier for organized labor and solar developers to partner in building out this rapidly growing energy sector. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Act and the Inflation Reduction Act represent the largest investment in clean energy infrastructure and technology in our nation's history. And our three unions are committed to building it with skilled union labor, said Cooper. This tri-trade solar agreement will help lead us to a cleaner energy future while ensuring that green jobs remain good, family-sustaining jobs for the foreseeable future. It's foreseeable future you know we're looking at probably 20 30 years right now especially in the conversation we had earlier with uh, ed hill jr more good news on organizing undergraduate student workers are unionizing from coast to coast last wednesday undergraduate workers at harvard and the university of oregon voted overwhelmingly in favor of going union with 99.7 percent of the vote the Harvard Undergraduate Workers Union must now elect a bargaining committee and coalesce around top priorities. Their organizing campaign called for greater job stability and improved compensation. Meanwhile, at the University of Oregon, 97% of participating student workers voted in favor of union certification. The administration has already issued a statement recognizing the union and agreeing to cooperate in negotiations. That's a good thing. That's a real good thing. By the way, the University of Oregon Student Workers claims it will be the first and largest wall-to-wall student worker union in the country, connecting student workers across all workplaces on campus. Similar efforts are ongoing among student workers across 
the California State University's 23 campus system, which, by the way, is the nation's largest university system. No doubt about that. California is like either the sixth or the fifth largest economy in the entire world. That, that is unbelievable in itself. Registered nurses at Jackson Park Hospital, this is in Chicago, they have voted unanimously in favor of ratifying a new three-year contract, winning protections to improve patient safety and nurse retention. And this comes from the National Nurses Organizing Committee, great organization, which we featured on the show a number of times. Got a comment here from Jennifer Harris Goldsmith. Jennifer is an RN at the case management department. She said, we are so proud of this new contract. After historic bouts of inflation and a nurse staffing crisis, we were able to overcome and collectively win a contract that will improve staffing and patient outcomes all without taking any concessions and significantly increasing compensation for bedside nurses. The compensation package puts Jackson Park more in line with other nearby hospitals, which will make it easier to recruit and retain experienced nurses. We've talked about this on the show many, many times. Nurses, so many of them have burned out and they're saying, you know what? I just can't handle the pay is good, but I just can't handle it. I don't have any family life, work life balance. So they leave the profession. Some of the highlights in the contract include workplace violence prevention measures to protect patients and staff Recruitment and retention language, including incentives and bonuses and measures to prevent outsourcing of nurses and to prioritize recruiting local union nurses. Also, investing in education, increased tuition reimbursement for education so nurses can continue expanding their knowledge and skills, and also economic gains to help retain and recruit experienced nurses, including no takeaways or concessions. By the way, the agreement includes average wage increases of 17% over the life of the contract. The new pack covers the period of this past July, July 1, and it goes to July 1 of 2026. Yolanda Clark, who's an RN in the emergency room, said, the nurses, faith leaders in the community rose up to improve the standards of care within this historic community hospital. And we're so glad for that. By the way, the National Nurses Committee, organizing committee, represents more than 60 nurses at Jackson Park Hospital in Chicago. Well, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades. And it's our first Friday with Fred, Fred Redman of the AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.